Maybe I should have asked this question before all of our our kids left because they wouldn't have a problem answering uh, this question. Um, And and, and maybe this is more of an experience that you had as as a parent watching kids or or aunt or uncle, uh, grandparent watching kids open gifts. Um, But what gift did they open that they were just so excited to share with others to show off. Maybe this is an experience that, that we had, uh, you know, with, with younger kids. Um, our boys went with Nana and Papa that are here this morning, um, went with them Christmas shopping the other day, and then the next day our family got together, and they had to bring all of their toys that they had, had gotten, so we had to pack everything that take with us plus all of the stuff that they needed to go and show off because they were just so excited about these these treasures that they had had uh, received and they had to share them with everyone else um, two of those things were nerf guns so you know not everybody <laughs> appreciated the sharing um, as much as they did um, what You're yeah yes Grandparents are a gift. Um, keep that in mind about how we get so excited or the, 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 the joy and the excitement that you've seen on, on children's faces as they've opened a gift and as they've wanted to share that with people around them. Here at Spring Creek, we've been talking uh, over the last number of years about growing, sharing, and serving connected by Jesus. Uh, growing is kind of our word that we use often in the church. We talk about discipleship or growing to be like Jesus, learning Jesus. Uh, we've also talked about how we need to be growing in relationship with one another, especially as we've kind of emerged out of the, that pandemic COVID thing that uh, sometimes seems so long ago and yet sometimes seems not long enough ago. Um, When we emerged from that, we needed to rebuild relationship with one another. We had spent time in our own homes, time separated from physically gathering with one another. And so we believed as as a congregation, we needed to renew those relationships with one another. And we also needed to build relationships with those in our community, those around us, those that we work with and shop with and go to school with. We needed to, to grow in those relationships. We've also talked a lot about uh, serving, uh, following the signs set by King Jesus who came uh, as a servant, uh, laid in a feed pan, we talked about that Christmas Eve, um, who, who stoops down and washes his disciples' feet, who gives of his own life. This is the, the model that we are uh, called to, to, to follow, and so we need to serve one another. And there's lots of different opportunities around Spring Creek uh, to serve, uh, whether that's a, a, a be EDM trip or, or being involved in one of the ministries that, that happens in and through uh, the, the congregation here. There's lots of opportunities to be serving. I do not, if you read our newsletter article that you kind of got a, a preface uh, for this, this sermon, um, there are always ways that we need to be growing and learning and expanding the way that we are growing. 
And there are always ways that we need to be learning what it really means to serve, not just in a way that uh, meets our needs. Sometimes we like to feel like we've been useful, um, but is our uh, drive to serve actually serving the real needs of those around us in a way that seeks the wholeness of that person, the, the shalom uh, of the, the people around us. And so we'll always be striving towards those goals of discipleship. Growing is something that doesn't stop. It's something that uh, continues to, to shape. Um, we're called to be shaped into the image of Christ and like I said, serving one another is something that we always need to be um, learning more about, uh, looking at the ways that we're serving and um, seeing if they're really meeting needs in a, in a helpful way for people. But for me, I, I'm finding the greatest challenge is in that middle word for, for me, in that sharing component. Uh, a number of months ago in a combined adult Sunday school uh, we looked at a book called uh, Surprise the World, which was talking about five habits of missional people, which lo looked at how we are called to bless people, how we are called to eat with people, meet around the table, gather with people, eat with them. We are called to learn Jesus. We are called to listen to the Spirit and to reflect on how we are being sent by God. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to read that, there's extra copies down in the, uh, in the library or in the office. Uh, and we had lots of good conversation this summer about that. Um, all followers of Jesus are invited to participate in the mission of God. This is something that we talked about, that um, God does not just send the lead pastor. God does not just send those that are named on the evangelism and service team. Amen. But when... <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Right on cue. But when we are baptized and enter into that, that new life in Christ, we are also being sent. That doesn't mean that we have it all together. It doesn't mean that we are perfect people. It doesn't mean that we've got it all figured out, and yet we are sent. God is the sent and sending one. From very creation, God is sending himself, breathing creation in, into existence, sending his presence through the, the tabernacle, and ultimately sending his son. Show us what it means to live in relationship with God and relationship with others, sending the Spirit to empower His people and sending us out. We'll talk about that more in the coming weeks. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Okay, so throughout Scripture, we see God is a sent and sending one. Uh, we talked a little bit this past summer about how sharing has been done in the past and, and without judging on the effectiveness or the faithfulness uh, of that, we, we talked about how there was a time when the Western world was large, largely had a background that revolved around a Christian understanding uh, of, of truth, of history, of, of the Christian story. And in that understanding, um, at times the church took certain shortcuts 
questions were asked of people. We, we would ask questions like, if you died tonight, where would you go? Would you go to heaven or hell? Uh, we would ask questions like, are you saved? And in general, largely people had an idea of what we were talking about. We would ask questions like, have you been born again? And not have people go, what on earth are you talking about? Again, some legitimate questions, some more than others here. Or we gathered into large meetings, tent meetings, or evangelistic crusades. Can I be honest? I find that language now uh, very um, unsettling, evangelistic crusades. Crusades are not a positive mark in the church's history, so I'm not sure why we reused that word. Um. But what happens when a society no longer deals primarily in a Christian understanding of truth? When they don't have that background. This is more and more the world that you and I are living in. And so how do we navigate it? How do we continue to share the good news of Jesus in a world, in a culture that is very different? Some have decided that before the good news, we need to convince people of bad news. Uh, When people don't stick around long enough to hear the good news because they're getting beat over the head with the bad news, all they hear is the bad news, which leads to a, a growing number of people who believe the church is a net negative in society, known for what we're against rather than what we're for. You throw in scandals and, and different things that are happening in the news and, and large um, you know, Christian leaders that are having uh, these massive public failures. Largely our culture goes, why do we need the church? What does this Jesus have to offer? What do I want anything to do with Jesus? So I think we in the church need to relearn Jesus. And this morning, our scripture comes from the hand of Paul. We need to relearn some of Paul. So we take a look at this passage from Galatians and talk about sharing. Would you pray with me? Jesus, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, be pleasing to you, O Lord. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture passage comes out of a letter that Paul writes to uh, the churches in Galatia. Uh, sometimes we have a picture that there was like just one big building, one big group of Christians that met in Galatia. But most of the, the early church met in, in homes, and so they would write to a group of Christians in a city. And so writing to the the house churches that met in Galatia. In the early Jesus movement, it begins as a a Jewish sect. There are people that are Jewish, primarily Jewish, that believe Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah that has come, the fulfillment of their scriptures. But it largely starts as a Jewish movement. By the time Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, historians estimate there are about as many um, Gentile followers of Jesus as there are Jewish followers of Jesus. And this makes for some interesting dynamics in the early church as those that have followed the Torah their entire lives, every, um, 
every jot and tittle of the Hebrew, they're trying to follow and implement. And there are Gentiles who have followed Zeus and who have followed, you know, all these other foreign gods and have no idea what the Hebrew uh, of the Old Testament says. They can't read Hebrew. And these two groups of people are finding that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is speaking something new into their lives. And and they're being compelled by what they've experienced in this new Jesus' life. But there's tensions that rise in the early church between those Jewish believers and the Gentile believers. Some Jewish believers thought that Gentiles needed to become completely Jewish or follow all of the laws that they had spent their lives following. And so they needed to meet all of the dietary restrictions. They needed to meet all the cleanliness codes. They needed to live out all of those laws. Others thought that Jesus had fulfilled the Torah, that Jews could continue to follow all the Torah if they felt that was the most faithful, but Gentiles didn't need to follow all of the laws. And there's several places where Paul says, you know, here's what we expect of Gentile believers. They don't need to be involved in idolatry and sexual immorality, and you know, they, they need, we expect these things of them, but they don't need to follow all of the dietary restrictions. If they eat bacon, you know, like their soul's not in jeopardy. Paul's letters frequently address this tension. When Galatians chapter 4, Paul has announced the good news among the Gentile believers in Galatia. But now some are turning back to their old ways, turning back to idols. And at the same time, others have come to Galatia telling Gentiles that they need to become fully Jewish in order to follow Jesus. Here in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, We have a reminder to the Galatians of the good news of Jesus. Paul writes, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son, that word sent, sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a child, and if a child, then also an heir through God. It's really interesting because he's writing this to Jews and Gentiles. The Jewish people would have said, yes, we know we're children of God through Abraham. Paul's saying the Gentiles are also being adopted in children of God, heirs through God. What's interesting to me about Paul's ministry is that it happens in a very pluralistic society where people, you know, like, there's just different temples to different gods on every corner. And, and, you know, trying to keep all the the pantheon of, of God straight must have been quite a project in the ancient world. And here's Paul. I think more and more our world is beginning to look more like Paul's world. Now, maybe there's different religious places of worship, but there's like pseudo-religion stuff that happens all over the place, and it doesn't need a, a temple, but it happens around us. 
And so how do you share, how do you have conversations about salvation and and faith when guilt isn't necessarily a motivating factor for people? You know, we we used to ask, well, you know, you've got sin in your life and now people say, "I, I don't have sin, I didn't do anything wrong. What do you mean sin? I don't feel guilty about what I'm doing. How do you have conversation? What does it mean to speak of truth when there are competing truth claims and you can simply be brushed aside with, well, that's your truth, but that's not my truth? How do we, how do, we do that? How do we navigate that? That's, that's a, a shift in our world. But it's not a place that's unfamiliar to Paul, to the writers of the New Testament. What happens when some of our old shortcuts actually fail to announce the fullness of God's good news? When we have tended to make salvation only about what happens when we die, and we don't also announce good news in the here and now and the way that God is shaping and molding and and, um, writing our story in the here and now. So we're called to share Jesus, share the good news, share this new life in a new cultural context. Some of our old ways of evangelism, again, without us taking time to to analyze whether they were faithful or not, they just don't work the way that they once did. And getting people to show up at church for a Sunday message so that the pastor can tell them the good news, well, that doesn't always work either. There may be exceptions, but generally people who don't know Jesus aren't first going to randomly show up at church. They're going to first interact with the good news. They're going to first interact with what Jesus is doing through coworkers, through people that are meeting with them, eating with them, sharing life with them, they're going to hear about the good news from you before they show up in a pew and hear it from me. Sharing the good news won't happen through tweaking big events or tweaking programming here at Spring Creek. One of the things that I have really loved and appreciated uh, in in the last couple of years, and I'm going to say it again, I've said it lots of times, I really have appreciated the um, innovativeness and the creativity that's happened in the last two years, exemplified by the food trucks. So let me go back to the food trucks for a moment. You're like, oh, here go the food trucks again. It's one of the great things for me that's come out of this COVID time. And I don't know if plans are to continue the food trucks or not. I have enjoyed them. I also want to be careful not to overburden people with a new sacred cow 
that we've done it a couple years and now we have to just continue it on because that's our new thing. We tend to do that in the church. I don't know if you know, are aware of that or not, but like we do something a couple times and it becomes a tradition and now we have to just keep doing it because that's what we've done. If it has a purpose, if we have a vision for it, if it continues to be something that connects with people, then I love to show up and eat and have fellowship. But if the people that have been the motivating uh, forces behind that say, you know what, I don't know if we have the time or the energy to do it, then let's look for the next thing. Let's continue to be creative and innovative and look for ways to reach out and connect with our community. But also, with the food trucks. The food trucks have not been just about getting people to come to church. If they do, great, wonderful, they're welcome. The food trucks were about blessing our community. They were about providing people a safe place to start to reintegrate into public following COVID lockdowns and provide local businesses an opportunity to get back on their feet. We wanted to bless people. If they happen to find their way in here on a Sunday morning, great, wonderful. But that wasn't the purpose, the primary motivation behind why we did them. My hope is that we would continue to be creative and innovative in how we grow and how we share and how we serve. Which also means that we might experiment with some things. And some of those experiments, like the food trucks, will go amazing, better than we could have imagined. And some of those experiments are going to be flops. They're not going to work out. And that's okay. What matters is that we continue to seek God's spirit, continue to be creative and innovative, and try new things. Try different ways of connecting with our neighbors, of trying to be a blessing to the folks around us. So as we shift to a a new cultural context that certainly varies from area to area. Um, If you're in the Bible Belt of the U.S., it still has a strong resemblance to the old Christendom era, era. Uh, and yet even that is kind of beginning to break apart. As I mentioned earlier, you add in continued controversies and moral failures of big-name church leaders, and public trust of the church continues to erode. Throw into that a a, a rising um, vitriol uh, of Christian nationalism, um, which attempts to take the the tools of empire and force faith on others, which is explicitly what Jesus refuses to do. And people become suspect of the church. And I know for me, it's real easy to say, well, our church isn't like that. We don't do that. But you know what? So many people in our, in our neighborhood, in our community, in the world around us, they don't distinguish between Spring Creek Church of the Brethren and a d- church down the road. 
you're just part of the church. And so if we've had a bad experience at that part of the church, we assume we'll have a similar experience at your part of the church. So what does it look like to be a missional people who want to share the good news, who want to bless people, who want to see our community changed and shaped in a way that begins to look a little bit like the kingdom of God. We need to continue to grow in knowledge and relationship with God and with others. We need to serve our neighbors on the margins because for many, the old adage, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, rings true but also to share the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, that Jesus is Lord. We need to relearn what it means to share in a new context. Some of the best sharing opportunities in my own life have come after years and years of relationships. Sometimes it comes after I've decided, you know what, for the relationship, I'm just not going to talk about faith anymore. We've talked about it, it hasn't gone well, and I'm going to stop. But I still am in relationship with them, I still care about them, I love them, I want the best for them. What I found is, in these instances, over time, they've introduced the conversation. They've wanted to know more. Sometimes it's resulted in a come-to-Jesus type moment, and other times it's just led to more conversations, and I don't know where that conversation will end up going. So over the next couple of uh, weeks, at the start of 2023, I want to look at a number of ways that the whole of Scripture invites the people of God to be a sent people. I want to be careful about calling us missionaries, and if I use that word in in that if I use that word, please understand this about the word missionary. I'm not interested in creating the old style of missionary, the colonial missionary that comes and overruns a new culture with their own that forces their culture on another, who doesn't listen to the beauty and the creativity of a new culture, who uses the tools of empire to conquer new cultures rather than seeing the ways that God is already moving in the midst of people and partnering with God in God's mission. But I do want to look at how and why God chooses to work through His people Again, doesn't matter, it doesn't mean that we have it all together. We still need to be growing. That never ends. And for some reason, God chooses to work through fallen, messed up human beings. I want to look at how God sends his people in the pattern of Jesus with brothers and sisters rather than lone rangers. We're not called to go and do it on our own, but Jesus sends uh, his, his disciples and, and, and his, his bigger group, he sends them out two by two with one another, sent with others. 
I want to look at some stories from Scripture on people who were sent with messages but took their ulterior motives with them. Because that's, a, a, I think, something that we need to um, examine in our own lives. Why, why are we going? Who are we talking to? And what's our motive? I hope to look at some practical questions on sharing faith stories and, and what does that look like. But here at the, at the start of 2023, you know, people are making all kinds of resolutions. I, I, I saw a meme um, ask, two dogs are asking each other, what, what is a New Year's resolution? And, and it's like uh, the other dog responds, um, it's my schedule for the next week. Because <laughs> yeah, often our resolutions don't last very long. We, at the start of a new year, we're often reflecting on our lives, reflecting on our faith, what has worked, what hasn't. And it seemed for me that this theme of sharing of genuinely blessing and seeking the good of those around me keeps coming up over and over. Of demonstrating and announcing the reign of God, it's something that continues to impress on my heart, on my heart and, and I'm not always sure if I know exactly what it looks like to share. So I think if that's something that we have said is important to us at Spring Creek, it's maybe something that we need to spend a little bit more time looking at. As our culture continues to shift, as there's wars and rumors of wars, scandals inside and outside the church, yet I believe that Jesus is Lord. That that continues to be good news. That it continues to be as relevant now as ever. And you and I, if we're going to be faithful to what God has invited us to, to participate in, we need to spend some time thinking hard about what it means to share Jesus. I want to learn more and more what it means to follow Him, to be a part of His kingdom to see his kingdom come on earth as in heaven. This morning we are going to be closing our worship here with Go Tell It on the Mountain. Uh, it's a, a beautiful Christmas-oriented uh, hymn that talks about our need to go and to continue to announce the coming of Jesus, announce the coming of the reign of God. Would you stand and turn in your brown hymnal to number 258 as we sing Go Tell It on the Mountain. <laughs>